Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop here alongside Trey Kolbeck and Adam Stewart. We just did a CABA complete CFL is back celebration podcast, and I cannot, for the life of me, believe we're back here again today. And the CBA is not resolved. I, I can't believe it. I'm upset. I think we're all upset. We're going to talk about it a little bit here tonight for just a little bit, because I think we're all a little sick of talking CBA, and I think we could all use a little bit of actual football talk. So we're going to go ahead tonight with our East Division preview show, uh, taking a look at the Argos, the Ticats, the Alouettes, and the Ottawa Red Blacks. And uh, we're going to prepare as if CFL season is going to happen on time, uh, and fingers crossed it does. But uh should be a fun discussion here tonight. Some actual football talk before I bring in the rest of the panel. I do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And as always, want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree, Ojakree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now let's bring in the other two members of the panel here this evening. First, it's the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Ryan, other than the CBA, but we talked about it before. You know, I know you're not a Star Wars guy. Obi-Wan Kenobi comes out this week if there's no football, so uh, and Stranger Things season finale. So we got stuff we can watch if there's no football, but hopefully we get some Canadian football going. Right on, right on. And uh, also joining us here tonight, uh, live from the fields in Saskatchewan, it's the great Adam Stewart. Adam, what's happening on the farm tonight, my man? Well, just eating some wheat, uh, just enjoying myself. Like I said earlier in the week here, uh, once I heard about that CBA deal yesterday, I said, I'm just going to go fill my cedar up and start seeding. And once I uh, do that, I'm not going to be uh, looking at it until I uh, see a CBA deal. So I'm just kind of working on the field, you know, doing that. So, yeah, all back there. Kind of cool, I guess. Uh, right on. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get some live, we'll get some live uh, seating updates here. Now, hand-free technology, we should clarify. Adam is doing this safely. Uh, we made sure that's the case. But... Uh, yeah, we're going to dive into our East preview, take a look at the four teams in the East Division, but we can't not at least touch on it a little bit here, guys. The disappointing development over the past day or two where, okay, last week we got the CFL is coming back, the CBA is ratified, uh, tentatively uh, negotiated, we do a podcast last Thursday to celebrate it think, okay, players are going to vote in the next day or two. There's no way possible, right, at that point when it's out in public that, that they're going to turn this down with all the publicity on it. Well, we thought wrong uh, because they did yesterday, I believe it was. The players voted no. Uh, they needed a majority. I think six of nine teams needed at least a majority of players to vote yes, and that did not happen. Uh, Trey, I know you were a little more skeptical of everything throughout the process than uh, people like myself were. Um, what do you make of the uh, the latest developments in this ongoing saga? You know, being a lifelong Bomber fan and CFL fan, you should never get your hopes up too much until everything was 
like dotted and crossed, right? I remember saying that exact line, you know, it's over and except for that. And the players decided they didn't want to dot the I's and cross the T's. And, and it, from the sounds of it, it was the Canadian players that didn't want that. Right. So I think it'd be very interesting. I think a lot of people on social medias are playing this idea that there could be a little Canadian American clash in the locker rooms. But I think after a hundred years of this league, I think we've already sorted all that out. So hopefully we get this figured out and hopefully the we have these preseason games this weekend. Yeah, no, I agree, uh, Trey. It was uh, real disappointing yesterday uh, to read and see that uh, the deal didn't get done. I mean, let's face it, it was, I thought, a pretty good deal overall for both sides involved. Uh, yeah, just a disappointment that it didn't happen. Uh, like I say, I mean, of course, I know that there was a few issues. The Canadian ratio was one of them. Very funny one that came up also was a ratification bonus. Uh, that came out of nowhere from what I heard. But you know what? Uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting that it didn't go through. But uh, here we are again. Uh, I guess let's hope something does get done pretty soon. Eh? Yeah, the ratification bonus is interesting to me because that one seems like, okay, we got some money. Now let's see if we can get some more out of this. But the big talk seems to be around the ratio idea. And one of the things we talked about on our last episode when we broke down the proposed new CBA was why you got to go and make this so complicated, this 49% of snaps rule that we were trying to figure out how it was going to work. A lot of the players have no idea how it's going to work as well, and understandably so. And uh, that's one of the things they pushed back on. Now, uh, I've seen a lot of talk of, yeah, like you had said, Trey, you know, it seems to be a lot of the Canadians voting this down. And my initial reaction on that was, okay, well, you got 12 Canadians you got to have out there, at least in the old rules, right? And a lot of Americans on the roster. Well, how does this actually then lead to the majority of players voting it down. Now, what turns out is rookies don't get to vote uh, on this, right? And there's a lot more American rookies than there are Canadian rookies on teams. Uh, Not only that, you likely have some American players voting down the CBA for different reasons as well. And that's kind of how we get ourselves in this state where they're back to the drawing board on the CBA here. Uh, a lot of our early talk on the negotiations was negative towards the league itself, uh, more so than the players uh, on the way they were handling things. But I saw everything yesterday after this came out that the negative fan perception just went right back onto the players in this one. Uh, did you see that as well, Trey? Yeah, I did. And it's you can't blame the fans for that. Like you said, if it seems to be the majority do we ever get any numbers? Because I know it had to be six to nine, but was there anything that said how many teams were yes or no? I don't believe we did, no. Because so. that's why I'm really – and it's probably never going to come out, or if it does come out, it'll come out by uh, Arash Madani or something two months from now, and Ambrosi will deny it, right? So I think that – yeah, I think that I, I this whole process, I personally have been more pointing my finger at the league to get their heads out of – out of the, out of the dirt and to get going and now this the players seem to be on the other side and that's why i said i think that the players were going to hunker down adams like no 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 they need their money and well the american players seem to need their money canadian ones don't seem to care as much so like i said that one and a half games at least being missed is looking better and better every day you know what was actually real strange as well trey uh the report that came out that said that uh 30 of players didn't even bother to vote 
which is just strange. I guess they figure, you know what, it's going to go through whatever we won't bother. Well, that was a very big surprise as well. But yeah, it just seems like uh, it, it's sort of a Canadian-American issue, yet it isn't. It, it's a very strange situation here. But who I feel really bad for right now is that negotiating committee for the CFLPA. They went, they agreed to a deal. They they went in good faith to the uh, to, the, the CFL said, yeah, they'll, they'll probably accept this. They went in and they didn't get the deal done. Uh, now, was that a lack of explaining how, why, or what this deal was? Was this a problem with, uh, with just uh, what do you call that? They, the players knew that they didn't want that. There's a serious disconnect within the PA, and gee, I, I don't know how you went back to the CFL uh, unless the CFL throws a bone. How do you go back to that uh, negotiating committee and say, well, you know what we just agreed upon that won't work? Yeah, precisely. And, you know, we're, we're in a very weird situation right now where things are hanging in the balance with this CBA deal here. And, you know, I, if like I feel bad for the the American players to some extent as well. Right. Like in a lot of cases, you're being you're losing your spot on a roster regularly to a guy who, you know, maybe the same weapon talent level, maybe more talented than you and earned it by his skill. There's certainly some very skilled Canadian players out there, but also in some cases, you know, might be uh, a less talented player who, because of their passport, is potentially getting that spot because you need to require that number of Canadians out there on the roster. And uh, they're likely getting double the pay or close to it for that. Uh, So, yeah, you know, I'm a little ticked off with the ratio originally uh, but if I'm an American player, and uh, I'm a little ticked off when I start losing some game checks here because, the uh, because you know, we're, we're concerned about the ratio here as well. So, uh, I, I see, and I see the concern from a lot of players. You've seen a lot of players already say, I'm not striking again. I don't want to go back out there and strike. Like, let's just play football. Let's get this done. Uh, we know the uh, CFL has already come back with a new offer. Uh, Trey, what's all involved in that offer? Do you have that there? Yeah, I believe they got rid of that 49% uh, rule that none of us really understood and why, understood why it was even in there. And I think they went like right, they went down to six Canadians with the one naturalized. Um, again, I think that's I think that's a fair rule, you know, because there was seven Canadians before, yeah, seven before, so it's still seven Canadians, just adding the one naturalized. And that bonus is interesting that was brought up. I I wonder who brought that up. I'm assuming maybe is that the league getting scared that hey, we're gonna lose a million dollars if we don't get some of these games in, so we may as well just give it to the players now um, to sweeten the pot. So I don't know. I think it's very interesting. And just real quick, because we talked about the players having maybe some lack of faith in their in the CFL PA board. But if you look at the guys on that board, you got Elaminian, King, Muamba, Big Hill, like guys who've been in this league forever. And you really thinking those guys are disconnected from like to think that they're that disconnected from their fellow players is rather interesting to me, too. Or is it because maybe they've been in the league so long, some of those guys who are two, three years into it have a way different opinion than Adam Big Hill does? It's it's such a weird disconnect there between the, yeah, like you said, uh, between the PA and the players. I don't know if I've ever seen this before. 
where uh, PA has recommended a deal and then the players don't get it done uh, or don't accept it there. Uh, but now we're in this state where we're waiting once again and we're waiting for the them to try to come to a deal here. Uh, the CFL has basically said uh, if by Thursday night uh, we don't have a deal done and voted on by, and we were talking about this beforehand, that it seems to be you know, voted on by the players and accepted, then we're off. Uh, we're not uh, paying you housing, food, et cetera. We're shutting training camps down and uh, you're on your own kind of thing. We're going to start missing these preseason games coming up this weekend. Uh, Adam, do you think that's a fair tactic from, from the league here in the current state of negotiations? And uh, what kind of effect do you think this has? You know, I think that it's probably, uh, by, with the CFL, I think it's probably a fair thing now. I didn't like it before because, let's face it, I mean, you got to negotiate in good faith and everything else. However, the CFLPA essentially has broken that. And to me, I think the CFL has full rights to be doing this. I mean, they offered a deal that they thought that their uh, negotiating team, the CFLPA negotiating team, would accept. Uh, they did accept it. They had a memorandum of understanding or whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is a point where you got to put your foot down and say, okay, we made a deal. We've given you a little bit of a uh, olive branch to try to fix this uh, with fixing up the uh, new offer with the uh, little bit of a uh, ratification bonus as well as also the uh, 6 plus 1 naturalized Canadian uh, uh, ratio. Uh, but that's the hill they got to stand on. And I mean, if you're a CFL, I can't blame them anymore for doing this because you can't keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Eventually, this is the deal. We have a deal. Let's get this done. Uh, I know that the CFLPA wants more. Obviously, everybody always wants more. Nobody doesn't want just a little bit. Uh, but you know what? This is a pretty good deal already, and I hope that they can figure this out and get this done. Uh, as per the ratio, I just wanted to bring that up once more. Uh, let's face it. A guy, a, an American that goes and spends his career in the CFL uh, comes in, makes the league better. Uh, and ends up going and does a lot of charity work for his team. I can think of a guy like Charleston Hughes. Lives in Regina, good-working guy. He does his stuff in Regina off-season. And you know what? Just just generally a great guy. How come that guy isn't considered a Canadian? I mean, he's, he's done his time. He's worked, his, he's worked his tail off in this community. Those guys should be considered Canadians already. Otherwise, we're just protecting jobs, and I don't think that's right either. Trey? No, I agree. And, you know, thinking of Winnipeg and a guy like Adam Big Hill too, right, who lives here all year, and every team has at least one or two guys. I'd watch how many you do. I think sticking to one or two max kind of thing is where you need to go. And you're right. I kind of go back and forth with this protecting job thing. I kind of go, mm, I want the best guy to play. But like we've talked about in the past, what makes the Canadian Football League Canadian Football League? Three downs, 110 yards, or is it the ratio, right? And I'm still kind of in the middle of what, what's the answer to that. So it's good to see those guys out there. You can make a strong argument that guys like Andrew Harris maybe never would have played if it wasn't for the junior league coming in and the ratio. And, you know, again, there's guys on every team that has that. O-linemen have been dominant. Canadian O-linemen have been dominant in the draft for years would that have been the same you know if there was no ratio how would the draft even work so you know um you know there's a lot going on and 
yeah, I just I'm really tough on the ratio, Ryan. I don't know, man. Like we've talked about this and and I really don't know because you know, some leagues, some leagues have it. I think like things like the KHL and things like that have Russian players and a lot of those hockey leagues, but you know, the NHL doesn't have anything, the MLB doesn't have anything. Like, should the CFL keep like I don't know. Should I just feel like we kind of sit into that B league if we keep a ratio, but I don't also don't know if I want to get rid of it. Yeah, it's a weird spot, right? Uh, how how do you approach that? Uh, I'm much the same way. I, I, well, you know, we've talked about this before. I, the ratio is not the big thing to me. It's three downs for me. If I didn't know better, would I really, you know, know there was a ratio? If I was a new fan tuning in, which that seems to be, you know, what leagues are trying to do is get new fans in the door, right? So I don't know if it's necessarily a sticking point, but I also, for a lot of diehard fans, it is. So I think it's one of those that. As long as the ratio remains, will be highly contested among the league, the players, the fan base for for many years to come. Much will likely, as much as we always say, you know, we said last week, and I'll say again here, I'm I'm done talking CBA. I want to be done with this. I'm so sick of talking about. It. I want to talk about actual football here. We're going to be talking about this probably for weeks, for years to come. The implications of whatever happens with the final version of the CBA here. And uh, I think we're just kind of stuck in a waiting game right now, waiting to see how this plays out, hoping it gets solved soon. I'm a little skeptical if it's truly all the players vote and approve by Thursday night to have these preseason games because it took a week for them to get, uh, you know, organized with the vote last time around. But maybe there's a little more urgency now. But uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, where things go with the CBA here, I think it is the best uh, course of action here. And like I said off the top of the show, I think we could all use a break from CBA talk and we could use some talking about actual football. So uh, unless you guys got any final thoughts on it here, uh, I say we get straight into uh, talking about the uh, the East Division and taking a look at that. What do you guys think? Trey's nodding yes, I think. I think, well, let's go with the C- – let's go with the uh... – the East Division. I'm I, I'm sick of hearing about it, and I'm also trying to listen to a tractor at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the East Division. I think it makes sense to go about it from uh, top down uh, in terms of the 2021 standings. So the the Toronto Argonauts finished the regular season standings in 2021 at the top of the division with a nine and five record. Uh, coming into the season here, they, they made a lot of moves in the off season, some big flashes with some veteran players, Andrew Harris being brought in Jagarit Davis, Brandon Banks, uh, some huge additions there for the Argos. Uh, what's the big storylines around this Toronto team coming into this season? Uh, let's start with you, Adam. You know, I think the biggest piece of uh, the Toronto Argonauts, uh, probably was, uh, the addition of Andrew Harris. Uh, let's face it, last year, I mean, they had a little bit of a hole in the running back spot, I thought. Uh, they didn't look quite comfortable there. And they got a great blocking back as well to try to help a young quarterback. Last year, I mean, let's face it, they didn't have much in the quarterback side of things. Uh, but, you know what, Cloud Bethel Thompson eventually did step up, take the job, and hopefully he keeps it for a long time. But I think probably Andrew Harris probably was their biggest addition for the offseason that I I think. Uh, Trey, what about you? No, I agree with Andrew Harris, but 
No, I, I also agree with what you said about Bethel Thompson. I think, you know, having Andrew Harris back there could be the difference. You know, uh, he was the had the second most passing yards in the Eastern Division last year in the shortened season, just over 2,300 and, you know, 12 touchdowns. It's the 11 interceptions that you got to watch out for, right? And having a guy like Andrew Harris, he's still a big guy. He blocks, you know, you always you got the dump pass now, which, you know, definitely cuts out on interceptions because i don't know if caleros and Nichols have thrown in very many interceptions the last uh, few years with harris here so in winnipeg so yeah i think it all revolves around andrew harris and if that'll like again we it's a tom brady bill belichick thing is he gonna succeed with a different old line or was it yoshi and bryant and the rest of the boys in uh in winnipeg that uh, kept him safe how about ryan I don't know. I, I think Andrew Harris, like we saw him have a very successful time in BC before coming to Winnipeg there as well. And I can't remember who was all on the offensive line there in BC at the time, but I do think it was probably a bit of both. I mean, the O-line in Winnipeg was very good. Andrew Harris is a heck of a running back though. And I think he can bring a lot of those talents to the Argos. Uh, questions are surely added around his health at this point in his career. Uh, and, and, you know, where the Argos go if Andrew Harris uh doesn't uh last the season you know they did have dj foster but they released him i think aj olette is still there as a backup they did just draft a running back in the draft here uh but for me the biggest storyline around the argos is all the attention on mcleod bethel thompson because I, i think i said this uh maybe a month ago on the podcast here every season mcleod bethel thompson comes into the year as the backup uh or in a 1a 1b situation it was uh james franklin uh, it was Nick Arbuckle. Well, now he's the go-to guy. He's the number one quarterback. Sure, they've got, you know, Antonio Pipkin. Sure, they've got Chad Kelly uh, in there in training camp as well. But McLeod Bethel-Thompson is the guy, and they've they've loaded up the, and given him the weapons he needs to succeed. So uh, he's, you know, been around the league a long time, hasn't stuck necessarily as a starter. A lot of the perception is up and down on him. This truly is the year and the biggest storyline for me around Toronto is uh, which version of McLeod Bethel Thompson are we going to see this season? Uh, what do you guys make overall of what we've seen from the what we saw the team do this offseason? Uh, you know, some may say, yeah, some big roster upgrades in the likes of Banks, uh, Andrew Harris, uh, etc. Some may say, okay, is this aging talent they're taking on here? Uh, Trey, what do you think of uh, the off-season moves the Argos made this year? It's tough with the age. You, you know, it's it's really a tough one. And I kind of get the, are they trying to do the Toronto Maple Leafs here and add some of those older guys for the fourth line roster? But, you know, we've seen Andrew Harris play pretty good football in his later years, even after serving, having some big injuries. I also think Speedy B just needed to get out of Hamilton. Hamilton's one of those cities in the CFL that the fans can get a little in your head and maybe having a clearer, clearer and not as uh, passionate, oh, not, not passionate. I want to rephrase that. Not as, you know what I mean with Toronto, <laughs> not as in your face uh, with the Argo fan base and maybe he'll have a good year. You know, like he, I believe he had to delete Twitter after the 2019 great cup, I think, cause he was running his mouth a little bit. And, you know, same thing. He was a little bit quieter in the 2021 Great Cup against Winnipeg, but maybe he just needs a quieter setting. So I like I like the addition of Speedy B as long as, you know, he stays healthy. Um, other than that, you know, we kind of talked about on the, uh, I believe on the draft show, they didn't do a heck of a heck of a heck of a extra lot on that. But 
I, I don't know. I like I like overall what they did. I think Toronto's going to be the number one team in the East pretty handily. I think Hamilton's going to take a step back, and Ottawa and Montreal just won't quite be there. So I think they did fine, and I think they're they'll definitely be hosting a gamer uh, in uh, November. Yeah, I think I agree with you there for the most part, Trey. I think age is the biggest thing that I say about the Toronto Argonauts. I mean, they've got Brandon Banks, like you said before. Uh, they've got uh, Harris, which again, if he's good, he's good. But uh, again, age, it's it catches up to everybody. Last year, they tried the experiment with Charleston Hughes, and it failed miserably. Um, you look at another guy also that they brought in that should have been a stud, uh, Cam Judge. I don't know what was going on with that defensive uh uh, backfield, but uh, yeah, Judge just did not fit in the linebacker spot in Toronto. Uh, same thing also with Charleston Hughes, which was, which was a little bit surprising. And yes, I know Charleston's admitted that he, he wasn't in the best shape coming into, into 2021 and it didn't help him or anything. But still, you know, a, a guy that's been a CFL All-Star for so many years, you, you got to be able to fit him in properly there. So again, it's the, it's the age question. And for me, it's also the quarterback question. Uh, is McLeod Bethel Thompson the number one quarterback? If he is, and he plays like a number one quarterback, this team's going to go places. Uh, that being said, their offensive line has lost a big piece in Jamal Campbell. Uh, I think he was a big piece of that uh, offense as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. They still got some big pieces. Uh, Richards is still there. He's a great-looking offensive lineman. Uh, same thing also with Darius Bladak is st- stuck around there as well. Uh their offense, like I said, should be okay. The defense is probably aged a little bit, but they still got some young players in there as well that can make some moves. To me, I'm going to say they're probably going to end up second in the East. I think there's a team that'll pass them, but uh, we'll get to them uh, maybe a little later on here. I think for me, the Argos are one of those teams where I don't know if I necessarily see a big hole or a weakness in their roster. I think, like you mentioned, you know, maybe lost a bit on the offensive line there. Uh, you know, there's the unknowns, uh, people not sold on McLeod Bethel Thompson as a starter, as we've talked about, but I think they have a lot of strengths. Their defense looks very solid. Uh, like you had guys, like you guys talked about, you know, uh, Charleston Hughes, Cameron judge guys that came in last season, didn't necessarily perform to the level we thought they would, but their defense was still pretty stellar, uh, quite often throughout the year. I think they have a ton of depth at wide receiver too. Like just looking at their depth chart here, like you've got Tavares Daniels, Eric Rogers, Brandon Banks, uh, Juwan Breskison, Curly Gittens Jr., who was one of the top breakout players of the season last season. Those are your slated starters according to the CFL.ca depth chart. Then you've also got Ernest Edwards showed some flashes with Edmonton. Markeith Ambles was one of Calgary's top receivers. Chandler Worthy played a pretty big role last season for them. Like, this team is deep at wide receiver, and I think on the defensive side of the ball as well. So I think this is a well-built Argos team. Uh, You know, head coach Ryan Dinwiddie, another season as a head coach here for him. He's got all the tools there, I think, with him for a successful season here for the Argos. And, uh, yeah, I like what I've seen here from them uh, coming into this season. Taking a quick look at their schedule for this year. So the Argos don't actually play week one there, the team with the – with the bye week, unfortunately, uh, which you never want to be. I don't know if you ever want to be the team. As the fans, I feel like you never want to be the team with the bye as the, the coach, especially in this whole CBA and miss a couple of days of practice. You're loving this if you're Ryan Dinwiddie uh, as the head coach there. But uh, 
bit of an interesting schedule where the Argos have two bye weeks in the first five weeks of the season, then again in week number 15. Um, overall, you know, not, I wouldn't say the best schedule, wouldn't say the worst. Their longest stretch without a bye is nine games. They've got uh, no crazy long home sense. They do have a four-game road trip with a bye week in the middle. And they also have uh, one of their home games is that touchdown Atlantic game. So I don't know, looking at the schedule here, Trey, uh, what do you, th- what do you think of this Argos schedule this season? Uh, looking at it, they need to get to a hot start, I think, because if you look down at that four game road trip, you talked about Hamilton back uh, in Ottawa twice and then Calgary near the end of the season there, that could be death. If Hamilton and Ottawa have like, are playing well and, we all know Calgary in October, you know, they don't want to play there. So, and then add, you know, you got Edmonton and Montreal just a week after. Like, I think they got to come out hot. You got to pick up the win uh, for their first game in Montreal. And you go out to BC with the uncertainty of the Canadian quarterbacks. You need one there. And then you got on July 4th, Independence Day, uh, home against Winnipeg. So, you got to try to go 2-0 and because you don't know what Winnipeg's going to do. And then you got Saskatchewan in, uh, out east later, and you got a back-to-back with Saskatchewan. So you really got to pick up three, four wins somehow, and I think those first six weeks. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. It's a very tough schedule uh, at the end of the season. And, uh, yeah, there's nobody that wants to go to Calgary at the end of the season. Uh, you know, I look at it and I say that if they can pull off probably – uh, the two wins, uh, win against Montreal, get, make, get some real momentum going. And probably uh, the big thing is slow down the Montreal Alouettes right off the bat. That's a big thing as well. Uh, that'll help them. And, yeah, BC, you're not sure what you got there, really. And I think that probably uh, later on we'll all be talking about uh, next week or whenever the West Preview comes out, we'll be talking a little bit about the BC Lions and yeah, their new quarterback. So, you know what? No, I agree 100% with you. And the big one is they also got to beat uh, Saskatchewan at least once in the home-and-home. Home. Uh, and that touchdown Atlantic game, that's, that's there. That takes another home game from them. So, let's face it, you better start marketing out to Atlantic Canada, try to convince them that, hey, you want to be a, uh, a Toronto Argonaut fan. The Argos are one of those teams that every year, I feel, kind of gets shafted a little bit by the schedule. Like, you look at this stretch drive here, that six of their last eight games are on the road uh, at the end of the season there when it's crunch time, and a lot of those are division games uh, in there as well uh, for most teams down the stretch. And a lot of that is due to sharing the field, I think. Uh, I believe they, Toronto FC uh, uses it as well. Um, and then you get that touchdown Atlanta game there. So not a great schedule for the Argos. So, but they do have a good start to the year to get into the rhythm, you know, a couple of weeks to tinker with things there early on, watch some game film to prepare them for that long stretch there in the middle. Uh, I can't remember if I've already, you know, given my take on where they finish in the East division, but I think the Argos still finish first. They're still my front runners out East. I'm a McLeod Bethel-Thompson believer. I always have been because I've seen the promise from him. The the seasons where we've seen, you know, a lot of interceptions and stuff, a lot of it has been, you know, maybe the offensive line not giving him the help he needed. Was I a little bit concerned when they shipped out Nick Arbuckle last season and then he had some underwhelming performances following that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, But I uh, overall... 
I do believe in what he's capable of doing. I think having a back like Andrew Harris to dump the ball off to is going to do wonders for his game there. And uh, it's going to be weird seeing Andrew in the double blue, but uh, I'm excited to see what kind of impact he has there on that offense. Uh, let's move on to the uh, the team that finished second out east, which was the, I believe, the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, in 2021. Uh, many of them, many folks like myself, had them go dominating the east in preseason predictions last season, coming off their Grey Cup season, their historic season, in or Grey Cup appearance in 2019. Uh, I thought they were going to dominate even more in the regular season than they did. That didn't happen. They got off to a rocky start. They finished strong near the end, eight and six record for the Ticats last year, but another uh, consecutive gray cup loss. The drought continues. Uh, let's go to you first on this one, Adam. Uh, what's the major thing you're all watching here uh, on the Ticats coming into 2022? Well, I hate to keep talking about the offense, but it's the offense in uh, Hamilton that I'm actually got a little bit of questions on. Uh, let's face it, Jeremiah Mazzoli is now an Ottawa Red Black. Uh, you've got Brandon Banks not back. He's in Toronto. You've got Jalen Acklin, uh, my new favorite player, out of uh, gone and over to Ottawa. Uh, you also are still got questions, I believe, in the backfield with uh, early, uh, Sean Thomas Erlington in there. I don't know if he's quite the guy there uh, in the uh, backfield in, in Hamilton. Uh, couple that with a little bit of an aging defense. I mean, let's face it, Simone Lawrence ain't getting much younger. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe Hamilton might take a step back this year. Trey, what are you looking at? I agree. I think they're going to take a step back. I, I have them second just because I think their defense is still going to be, you know, what we traditionally think of the Steel Town defense. But yeah, I got big questions about the offense. Evans has proved that he can have big games, but, you know, he's still 0-2 in the great cup, right? So <laughs> so he's, he he doesn't seem to want to play near the end. And, you know, you lose, you lose Speedy B. That's a huge loss. Um, you know, there's – yeah, they got a couple of names in their receiving court, but nobody really jumps out at me, you know what I mean, anymore on that offense. And I think it's going to be very interesting uh, for Steeltown and – I have them second, but I think Montreal is going to be really nipping at them uh, going down the stretch. What about you, Ryan? I'm a lot higher on the Ticats offense than you guys are, actually. Dane Evans, the concern is the sample size is small. You know, he has, what, eight, nine starts in the CFL, maybe maybe a couple more than that. Uh, and two of them are Grey Cup games, uh, which is an interesting statistic there for Dane Evans. But uh, he's shown he has the capabilities of being a solid quarterback, uh, a good starting quarterback there. They did lose some of the pieces you guys mentioned uh, at receiver, absolutely. Uh, but one of the big things, you get Braylon Addison back, who should hopefully be healthy, ready to go this season, can be one of the top receivers in the league when he is. And uh, he missed most of last season. That's a huge re-addition for them there. I think Lamar Durant, he was signed you know, before free agency started. He might be one of my favorite underrated free agent signings. I think he's one of the top Canadian receivers in the game. And I think that's a position that was lacking maybe for the Ticats on offense. So I really like the addition of Durant there. And Adam, you were talking about, you know, Sean Thomas Erlington, you know, him not really finding his way last season at running back. 
down the stretch, they started starting Don Jackson at that position. And he had a monstrous final four weeks of the regular season and into the playoffs was an integral part of that offense. So I think the Ticats offense is maybe going to take a bit of a step back, but I'm also excited to see how guys like Tim White, Poppy White, Stephen Dunbar Jr. grow in their roles as well. I mean, Tim White came out of nowhere, was the sixth, seventh best receiver in the CFL last season yardage wise. So I like what they have on offense. I'm always concerned with the Ticats about, uh, you know, in their current state, maybe about the offensive line a little bit, but they did make some, a few changes there this offseason. They made that trade with Edmonton right before the draft, bringing Kyle Saxlid, who should get a starting spot on the offensive line. Defensively, you lost Garrett Davis there, uh, which hurts a little bit, but I believe they did bring in Micah Johnson uh, on the defensive line. The rest of the team, you know, looking pretty solid there. I don't really see a lot of holes in this Ticats team, so I think they're right up there competing with the Argos for first place in the East Division. The one thing, though, that I could probably uh, throw, though, to counter it is their secondary, not really a well-known secondary, maybe. And it just, I don't know, I, I just have some bad feelings about Hamilton this year. Uh, let's face it, man, Micah Johnson went there. He was big in Saskatchewan. Uh, but, again, it, it, age gets everybody eventually. And, like I say, they do have some older guys on that team. And I just... I don't know. I I got a feeling that Montreal will definitely chase them down, and I think Toronto's going to pass them too. So that puts them down for a uh, for a playoff game, but not at home this year. No, I, I that's why I got to agree with that. I do like Dane Evans. You know, I'm just looking at his stats. He's got about a seven, just like a 69.9 percent uh, completion average in the CFL. 29 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. That's not bad stats. For being in the league, uh, according to CFL stats, he had one game in 2018, but had you know more two seasons in Hamilton. So, you know, he's a decent quarterback. I just got concerns about what's around him, like Adam said too, in that defense. But and you know, giving a quick look to their schedule, you know, they got a in in Saskatchewan. That's never an easy win. Um, home for Calgary. We all know Calgary in Winnipeg. So and then and then home for Edmonton is their first four games, right? And you don't know what you're getting with Edmonton right now and Chris Jones. So those Hamilton could be one and three or oh and four to start the season. Like, is it really, it's not that hard to believe, eh, Ryan? It's not that hard to believe, especially, you know, after last year, the slow start they got to the season last year. If you got a couple guys, you know, maybe not quite ready to go there, but uh, overall, their schedule to me, I would say, is a fairly balanced middle of the pack in terms of schedule difficulty, you know, bi-week placements. They've got weeks, what is it, five, I think, 14 and 17. So uh, you you play a couple weeks, you get a bye week you, you go on a long stretch here in the middle of the season, then two, two bye weeks down the stretch there. I kind of like that, you know, dispersal of them. Uh, overall, you know, it seems to be a lot of home game, away game, back and forth, no long homestands, no long road trips. So I don't think they have a particularly difficult schedule overall. They're up against the Ticats, uh, but there are, yeah, a couple couple potentially tough games against the West Division teams there early on this, the season. We'll see where that, that puts them there. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, the interesting thing to me with Hamilton is so many people after they lost the Grey Cup last season, all of the talk was Orlando Steinauer might be going off. 
you know, coaching somewhere else potentially. Well, not only does he come back as coach, but he takes on more of a role within the organization. And a lot of it is this is the end of the era for this core group of tie cats that they're not going to be able to keep them together. A bunch are going to go off either somewhere else or going to go off to retirement soon. And, you know, this was their shot at the Great Cup. I look at their roster now coming into this season. And uh, like I said, I think I'm a bit higher on it than you guys are, but I understand the concerns you guys have. But overall, given where many people thought they would go this year, and I think we all expected them to take a step back with what they did this offseason, I don't know if they've taken a whole big step back, actually, from what they had last year. Adam? No, I still think that they have taken a little bit of a step back. Like I say, when you lose a guy like Brandon Banks, who, let's face it, on CFL Fantasy was probably one of the top guys around, Uh you look at Jalen Acklin, he had some good yards last year, I think 700 and some odd yards. Uh, those produ- That production is hard to replicate, and like I say, I don't see that in the receiving core quite as much as I did uh, a couple years ago, that real depth. And the other thing also to keep in mind is with Dane Evans. Dane Evans has not had a year that he's stayed healthy in the CFL. If he does, great, and the, C- and the Hamilton Tiger guys will benefit greatly from it. But right at the moment, he hasn't. And like I say, we'll see what happens this year. I hope he does. But uh, I think all hopes kind of ride uh, on to Dean Evans. So, yeah. Uh, Trey, anything else to the Ticats? Well, yeah, I agree. Like you said, it, it's maybe not who the Ticats have on their roster, but it's who they've lost. And you're going to see Speedy B three times this year with Andrew Harris, with Bethel Thompson. And you're going to see, uh, you know, Montreal three times with what they got going on there. And you're going to see Ottawa, you see twice then or three times there twice then the season. And you never know if, even if Ottawa is out, they got nothing to lose. They could easily win one or two of those games when Hamilton's trying to clinch a home field, you know? So you never know. Like I said, I think it's more who they don't have on the field. And I think that start is going to could kill them. You know, like I said, you're going to play hard football. You got four West teams to start the year. You're probably going to have some injuries. You're going to have some, you know, have some things going on. So, uh, yeah, I think Hamilton's going to be lucky. I think they're going to be nine and nine, ten and eight, maybe. I think it kind of depends on what their uh, West Division record is and what they can muster out West. You made an interesting point on the schedule there with uh, lots of games against Toronto and Montreal. This is one of the weirdest schedule oddities to me, I think. Last season, we had the whole Saskatchewan and Calgary play each other three times in four weeks. Now we have Hamilton and Toronto play each other four times in five in the middle of the season where they play a home-and-home, then there's a week in between, then they play a home-and-home yet again. So this is kind of why I have these two teams jockeying for first place in the East Division is I think, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility we see them split those two home-and-homes, go two-and-two each there. Uh, you know, a couple of, of back and forth between these teams. Uh, I, I still I still like the Ticats in second uh, in the East Division, but uh, you, you, you all make some great points, on, uh, especially, you know, the health of Dane Evans. That's an excellent point. I like Matt Schultz as a backup quarterback. I wish he would have gotten more of a shot in Montreal as well. And if he does get playing time this year, I'm excited to see what he does with it. But is he a starter yet if he needs to fill in for it? That I don't know if we uh, we have enough of a sample size there as well. So uh, yeah, we uh, so we're we've got the tie cats here. I think they're finishing second. I think Trey, you said so as well. But uh, a bit of competition there with Montreal 
And uh, Adam, uh, I believe you were uh, right there in the middle with Hamilton as well, but taking a step back and maybe Montreal creeping ahead. Let's move on and talk about the Montreal Alouettes uh, season that was a little bit up and down for them last year as well. Uh, they finish at a 500 record, 7-7. Seven and seven. They go out to the Ticats in the first round of the playoffs uh, for Montreal. A, a disappointing end to the season there for them. Uh, Adam, you seem high on, the, on, on Montreal this year. Uh, what's the main storyline for you? Well, for me, I think the main storyline that I'm going to be keeping an eye on is their quarterback situation there. Um, let's face it, Vernon Adams had some injury issues last year. Trevor Harris came in. Uh, they've got a great one-two duo there right now. Uh, and not only that, you've got a football uh, quarterback head coach with Kahari Jones. And I could just see Kahari leading this team to some really, really close games. But this year, I think he's going to lead them to more victories, which is great. So to me, I just think the Montreal Alouettes, they've added a few extra pieces in for their Canadian depth. They look they look solid. They look pretty decent. I like the receiving core that's starting up there. Uh, I'm very interested to see if the Filippo boy makes the uh, starting roster. That'll be very interesting to see. And, uh, yeah, guys like Eugene Lewis and uh, Jake Wenicke, I think are really going to light this uh, team up. And I'm actually going to go a little bold. I'm going to say that the Montreal Alouettes will finish 11-7, take first place in. Oh, wow, yeah. First place in the East for big, big predictions here. I like it. Uh, Trey, what do you think on uh, on Montreal here? No, I'm pretty high on them, too. I, I don't know if first is in their uh, ballpark this year, but I could see them being second or tying for second very easily. And like we were looking at the schedule, like a, the East with the four teams in there, they seem to play each other every other week. So I think if Montreal can beat up on their – like. I think the goal is always to try to go about 500 against the West. If you can do that, you're 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 smooth. You're you're sailing, right? Because and then you got to have a winning record against the East, and that sounds that's usually around 10 and eight or 11 and seven. I think they're going to be around that 500 mark again. I really like William Standback. I think if he stays healthy, that'd be good. Yeah, like uh, Adam said, the quarterback. Um, uh, the quarterback, uh, the quarterback combination there. I I don't mind Trav, uh, Trevor Harris. He's put up solid numbers again. Seventy point three percent completion last year. You know, fourteen touchdowns, seven interceptions for twenty two hundred yards. Like that's not bad. You know, again, you always want it. That's two to one uh, TD to interception. Uh, Vernon Adams is around there too. Fourteen touchdowns, nine interceptions. So again, as long as they keep the ball out of the other defense's hands. You know, and for uh, and I think it's uh, pretty easy for them to host a game this November. For me, one of the main thing I'm actually looking at for Montreal is well, a yeah, the quarterback. You know, how does Vernon Adams Jr. Uh, some say maybe you know last year was a step back from what it was the season before for him, and then he had the long injury. How does he bounce back from that? Uh, we haven't talked a ton of special teams here yet today. Special teams is where I'm most interested on Montreal because last season you had a different return man literally every week, it seemed, for Montreal because either a guy didn't do a great job necessarily or most of it was flat-out injuries where there was no consistency there. You had Mario Alfred was dynamite early on in the season and then it kind of flatlined as they rotated throughout there. They did bring in Jeff Reinbolt to be their special teams coordinator for this season. He is now, I believe, since then stepped away from the team and will not be there this year. So 
you know, this is one of those things uh, last year where, you know, kicking game wasn't too bad. David Cote, I think, did a great job there. But return game, you know, Montreal at times was uh, just the rotation in there. That's something I'm watching for them. Uh, I'm not as high on the Alouettes. Uh, you, you guys and I are not in agreement. I don't think, on the East Division this year. I have Montreal in uh, a toss-up between third and fourth in the East Division with Ottawa. I think this is a team that, you know, probably was one of the teams that impressed me the least with what they did in free agency this year. And that's because they did not do a whole lot. They brought in some Canadian uh, you know, they brought in Herdy Mayala as a Canadian receiver there. They made some upgrades on the defensive side of the ball a, a little bit there as well. But uh, that's one of the things, you know, my my biggest takes on Montreal last season was just the lack of depth at wide receiver, it seemed. It seemed like it was the Eugene Lewis-Jake Winicky show, and that was it. Uh, with, but they did have some guys step up down the stretch, like Reggie White Jr., to be fair. But I don't know, the Owlets, uh, they're not a team that jumps off the paper to me necessarily as, as a team that's going to dominate the division. I think they're a middle-of-the-pack team as well. I think they they could be around a 500 record, but uh, they don't scream to me a team that is going to either fall off the wagon or or jump right out to the top of the division. No, I think that, uh, I, I think that their defense has improved as well, and that's the big thing that I've been looking at. Uh, I think last year they had just about the most quarterback pressures and the most quarterback sacks. Uh, if that defense can keep going the way they are, they've added a little bit of depth with uh, offense, like we've said before. In defense, they've still got quite a few pieces from last year. Uh, they did a good job of keeping most of their guys that they wanted to keep. And in free agency, it's sometimes the guys that you keep versus the guys that you bring in that sometimes, to me, always seem to do better than anything. And overall, I think that, like I said, Montreal is just one of those teams that they're going to fly under the radar. They're going to be thought of as, oh, well, they'll be easy to play and we'll win a few games. It's never easy going to Montreal for that road trip, uh, no matter when you go on it. Uh, let's face it, you always get the guys distracted or whatever happens. It's an early game always. And it just, to me, I don't know what it is about Montreal this year, but I think they're going to make some noise in the East and even maybe even in the West. Trent? Well, yeah, as well, I was going to ask you, uh, they have a back-to-back -back against the Rough Riders. What do you think uh, they're going to go? Are they going to go one-and-one? One? I hope they split. Let's face it, that's the best situation usually on a, uh, on a schedule when you have a back-to-back, -back, uh, no matter if it's Toronto or who it is or Montreal. And especially Montreal, that's a long road trip. I mean, let's face it. Saskatchewan is traditionally not done well in uh, in Montreal, so they got to win it at home. I mean, let's face it, that's, that's where their advantage is. And in the best situation, I think, with Saskatchewan's hope for a split there. Uh, but, yeah, they've got an interesting schedule as well. So. I was just looking, I like the, their last six games, five against the East. So, you know, one against uh, Hamilton and then two against Ottawa and two against Toronto. So if you like, so that could be an interesting last uh, two weeks for you. If you think Toronto and Montreal are going to be the top two teams in the East, that could be those two games right there. No, I agree. Uh, like I said, it's, it's going to be one game. I mean, let's face it. It's going to be, it could be come down to a play between Montreal and Toronto, but I just feel like Montreal with Hardy Jones there is going to probably get his guys to run through walls like he's been showing that he can get done. And let's face it, if you can just win, 
your season series against Toronto, I think they'll have a better opportunity to take on somebody like uh, BC and probably win that game. Even Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, those could be a possible W for the uh, Montreal Alouettes. But you got to win your win season series first. And yeah, that end stretch, that's going to determine if they take first or they possibly go all the way to third. I think overall, you know, when we talk about predictions here, to me, like when I talk about, you know, Montreal is my third or fourth place team in the East Division, I'm not talking about like a four or five win Montreal Alouettes team. I'm talking around 500 here and, you know, maybe falling into that spot by one or two games. I think you're going to see across the board and, and my predictions kind of, you know, you know, match that. I think we're going to see a lot of parity in the league this season. I think the teams that were at the bottom last year have gotten a lot better. They're going to take some wins away from other teams. I think some teams have maybe taken a bit of a step back. You know, I don't think we're seeing what we saw last year, which was Edmonton and Ottawa, uh, you know, three win seasons, for example. I think we're seeing a lot of pretty even teams across the board. Uh, one thing I, I got to give Montreal here is, uh, to me, they have the easiest schedule out of anybody this season, uh, by far. Uh, they, uh, tie with Ottawa for the shortest stretch between, uh, of games without a bye. They, their longest stretch is six games, uh, in terms of, uh, short weeks where they have less than seven days between games versus long weeks. They only have one week where they have less than seven days to prepare for a game, uh, which uh, the next lowest in the CFL is three, which is Calgary. So uh, the Alouettes, you know, good bye week dis- dispersal there for them, uh, you know, uh, of weeks five, 12 and 15. I like that. I like that they have time to prepare for a lot of their games. Uh, you know, it's pretty balanced. They have a four game homestand in there, which is huge. Uh, I definitely think they have the best schedule and, uh, you know, if they could make it, take advantage of that, then yeah, I agree with you guys. I don't see a reason why necessarily they can't uh, finish in one of those top two spots in the East. Well, like I said before, I think with the scheduling and everything's kind of just lining up right now nicely for Montreal. Uh, like I say, it's going to be very interesting. They've got to win those home and home series. Uh, they've got to try to take one at least. Like I said, taking a season series for Toronto would be the big thing. Uh, but Hamilton, let's face it, they're pretty good as well. But to me, like I say, I just I just have a good feeling about that receiving core. They've got backup if they have trouble, if they have injuries. I just think that Montreal's maybe the most complete team uh, in the East right now. And maybe my perception, maybe I, I, I'm I'm falling, I don't know, victim is the right word here, but uh, uh, of not recognizing, you know, how good of a team necessarily they were last season. They did have some games where bounces didn't go their way there, uh, but overall a very solid roster, and maybe it's the lack of turnovers. Not a bad thing, right, that they're, they're bringing the whole crew back for another season to build off of that. William Stanback's one of my favorite players in the CFL. I think he's uh, arguably the best running back in the game right now, and uh, we saw him many times last season be a game changer. I think the Alouettes also have a very underrated offensive line, which is something, you know, ever since San Finique Calvillo retired, we had not been saying that uh, Montreal had a solid coach, quarterback, and offensive line. So, uh, you know what? Maybe they maybe they deserve more credit than uh, than I've been giving them here. Uh, let's move on to our last team out east. Then the Ottawa Red Blacks. 
Disappointing year for them last year, 3-11, and 11, uh, you know, two years to tinker after a, a not a great year the year before. They come into the year. Matt Nichols is their guy at starter at quarterback. Uh, they go through a couple different quarterbacks throughout the season. Nothing really going for Ottawa except games they played against uh, Edmonton and then the final one of the year against Montreal. Huge offseason for the Red Blacks. Uh, massive offseason, overhauled basically the entire team this year. That's my major storyline on Ottawa coming into this into this season is they look good on paper. I love what they did this offseason with everything they've done. But the question is, is it going to translate out on the field immediately and how much does it do so? Uh, Trey, what do you think? No, I, I agree. I, I'm going to go a little bit more specific. I think it's going to really uh rely on jeremiah uh jeremiah mazzoli correct yeah he got signed there there he is couldn't find him here i'm trying to look at his stats here because you know he he seemed to be a little different of a quarterback last year than maybe we're used to seeing had some injuries but you know i i think as long as he's got time and he stays healthy and i think he'll I don't, I don't know. I think he'll lapo will have a lot of use for him and i think they could find some opening i still have them in fourth because I just think those other three teams are a lot better than than Ottawa, but I think Ottawa's on the up uh, on the up and up. Uh, Adam, how about you? Not agree. Yeah, no, I uh, I think that yeah, with Jeremiah Mazzoli, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with him now that he knows he's the number one guy. There's nobody really. Yeah, they've got a little bit of uh, depth behind them, but not anybody that I would say is probably going to really compete with uh, with Jeremiah for the job. Uh, that being said, I think they got a little bit of help also in uh, receiving core. Uh, they've got some uh, Canadian depth in there as well now. Uh, and then Jalen Acklin, another big pickup that they got for uh, receivers in that team. To me, I think that's a big part of it. Also, let's face it, they uh, got back their old number 29, William Powell, from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's going to be a big piece to this team as well. Otherwise, it's going to be a... Could be a long year for Ottawa. It's going to be a learning year for sure, and I hope that they have uh, an extended training camp to go on. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of new pieces on that team. Yeah, don't forget Darvin Adams to go along with Acklin. You know those that those two could be just picking apples out there from Mazzoli. Like it literally, I I kind of forgot about Adams, and I just see him now at the top of the list. So you know, I think this team got a lot better. I'm just not sold yet. We have a lot of. Lapo's kind of one of those guys who hasn't proven himself as a head coach. We all love the guy, but – well, I do anyway. And um, I hope he can succeed, but, you know, I think he's better in that OC role. And I think if he had the OC job in Ottawa, I think we would be talking a little bit different because I think uh, if he had a coach maybe focus more on the defense and let Lapo worry about the offense and not all the head coaching things, I think this Ottawa team would be a lot better. Yeah, I, I agree uh, to some extent on that. Uh, I like what they've done with the roster. Uh, you know, BJ Cunningham, another guy in at wide receiver who, uh, you know, had some great seasons in Montreal, but was kind of, you know, a bit of an afterthought almost with, with Lewis and Winicky there. I know he got injured last season as well. They've got some great receivers. They've got a solid quarterback in Jeremiah Mazzoli. I, William Powell, to me, is the guy I'm most excited to watch because I think he was criminally underused uh, in Saskatchewan by, by Jason Moss in that offense uh, this past season where, you know, you had some games where Powell was carrying the ball eight times. Like, 
you know, Lapolis loves his running backs and he's going to use them. And I think he'll use a good mix of William Powell, Jackson Bennett, who's his backup there as well. I think he'll get some decent usage out of those two guys uh, in the passing game to help things for Jeremiah Mazzoli. Mazzoli's a quarterback who likes to use his legs as well. I like things offensively. I really like what they did with the offensive line this year as well. They overhauled that. That should help things go a long way. I, I liked what they did in free agency with some some additions on the defensive side of the ball as well, but took a big hit today during uh, training camp, I believe. New addition, uh, Kwaku Boateng on the defensive end, you know, one of the top pass rushers in the league, apparently went down with perhaps a season-ending injury here. So that that's a huge piece, a uh, huge hole that uh, they were looking to fill with a guy like that that maybe they're missing there on the defensive side of the ball as well. I think Ottawa's going to be a very improved team this year. They're one of the hardest ones to place for me because I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we see Ottawa jump up right up in the East Division and be a team that hosts a playoff game, dare I say it. Last year, my boldest prediction was the Argos going from a four-win team to one of the top two teams in the league. And hey, I was right. They finished first place in the East there, tied for the second-best record. I think Ottawa could be that team there. My safe pick is going to be, yeah, I think they fall maybe one win short of Montreal and finish fourth place in the East here. But I could see Ottawa sliding into any of these spots in the East division this year. So much is unknown on paper. I think they compete with anybody Uh, on the field. I don't know if it gels uh, based off of uh, just so many new pieces and and what are we going to make of uh, how that happened, how that plays out, Adam. No, I agree. I don't really see a whole lot out of Ottawa this year. And I mean, let's face it, they've taken, they've made a whole pile of changes. I mean, kudos to uh, GM Burke. He did himself a great job of grabbing some great free agencies, getting some real excitement back into Ottawa after a kind of dismal uh, first year for Coach LaPolice. I think that Ottawa still has a little bit of growing pains yet before they really can thrive. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think that the, the offense still needs a little bit of work. The defense exact with Boateng, like you said before, going down possibly. Uh, for a season, that's a that's a big loss in that defense. I just don't see the Ottawa Red Blacks making a pile of noise this season. But that being said, I think they're going to be better than what their record was last year. That's that can't be hard to beat. Get a trick. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little crazy here. I'm going to predict crossover team. Very well could happen. I don't know if they're going to be better than Montreal, Hamilton, and Toronto, but. They might be better than Edmonton, BC, and Calgary. So, you know, I, I could, I definitely want to see them play November football. Where? That's a tough question, but I don't think an East team has ever crossed over that I can think of. Not in recent history. It's been a long time probably if they have, so I would really want to see Ottawa do that. Yeah, I can't remember a time the East has crossed over to, uh, to the West there uh, either. That's an interesting take there. It feels like so insurmountable for the East to cross over to the West because – you got to beat out three teams in the other division uh, while not beating out the teams in yours. Like it's, it's got to be pretty lopsided in order for that to happen. Uh, right. But uh, Ottawa is one of those teams where, you know, Hey, it's the CFL. Uh, you can turn a team around in one season. Right. And uh, we've seen Ottawa do it before. 
uh, you know, first season league, not a great year. They go and buy a, buy a team in free agency. They turn it around and go to the Grey Cup in 2015. Uh, could that possibly be what we see here from Ottawa? I think we're all in kind of consensus that maybe another year of gelling on the field. But uh, promising things to come. I think they'll be uh, at least a few wins better than they were last season here. Uh, anything else on Ottawa before, uh, before we move on? Well, yeah, just a quick look at their schedule. They go two in Winnipeg, BC, and Saskatchewan before having three against the division. So that's kind of – now I'm looking at my crossover thing a little more. If they start picking off some of those games, maybe go one and one against Winnipeg, maybe steal one in, uh, in Saskatchewan, and then they have a few uh, division games. You know, like I said, I'm not that – we'll talk about it next week, but I'm not that high on Calgary, Edmonton, and BC at the moment. So, yeah, I don't know. I like it. Adam, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, uh, the people of Ottawa, you got to admit, great fans out there, and they deserve a winner. And uh, like I said, I think that they're on the right path to getting there uh, in Ottawa. I don't know about a crossover. I mean, let's face it, that's that's pretty bold. Uh, but you know what? Crazier things have happened, and you're right. I don't have uh, much faith in, uh, in Calgary or uh, BC at the moment. Uh, we'll talk about Edmonton next week. But, uh, yeah, no, I uh, I can see the same thing. And I just hope that Ottawa at least is real competitive this season, puts out some good shows for their fans. And uh, you know what? Let's face it. You never know. Maybe you get a win here or there and you end up in the playoffs. Yeah, looking at Ottawa's schedule, I put them right up there with Montreal as one of the easiest schedules of the year. You know, their bye weeks, weeks 3, 10, and 15, their longest stretch without a bye is six games. I, I like to see... Teams not really go on a long stretch. You know, you play six games, okay, you get a, a bye to tinker with things a little bit. Uh, it's kind of nice to have that break up there. They have the most uh, weeks with uh, more than uh, seven days of preparation before the next game in the league with 10. So a lot of preparation time for the Red Blacks here uh, to get things going. And, you know, for a team that's that's looking to make a bounce back, you know, I think I, I think facing the back-to-back -back champs in uh, weeks one and two is a bit of a tough start to the season uh, for a, a team that's trying to be on the upswing here. But then you got to tinker with that. And uh, uh, a little bit interesting that until week four, uh, you don't see anybody but the team you didn't see once last season. I guess they're trying to make up for lost time for the Ottawa Red Blacks here. Uh, and we'll see, uh, we'll see easy schedule teams looking like they're on the upswing, but how much does that play out, uh, here in the, the East division race? Uh, we did, uh, put some poll questions out on Twitter, get some, uh, fan insight on where they think these teams would finish in the East division. Uh, you know, put this out shortly before we found out the CBA got, uh, voted down yesterday. So this didn't get a whole lot of traction, the poll, but we got a couple votes in. Uh, where do people think the Argos finish in the East Division? Uh, majority said first place, but there were a couple second and third votes as well. Uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats was kind of split between first, second, and third. Uh, Alouettes uh, first had a bit of a majority, second, third, and fourth also. Uh, looked like they got a vote or two in there as well. Uh, Ottawa seems like the overwhelming favorite, said fourth there, but uh, some... Some people said first and second. Uh, we talked about crossover a little bit. Uh, nobody, uh, a lot of people thinking no crossover this season. Uh, 
Trey, I know you you thought the uh, the the east to the west crossover there is possible, but uh, I'm thinking no crossover here as well. I, I think the days of the west being so dominant over the east are gone, uh, and I'm thinking you know top three teams in each division may make the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. You guys have any uh, thoughts there on uh, on any of those uh, polls there? All those along the general consensus. Uh... I think I said no crossover. I think I voted on that. And I that you just to kind of see, I wanted to see what the results were. I couldn't wait. Um, but at the same time, now looking at it more, like you said, the days of the West being dominant might be gone. So I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm not going to lose really any sleep over it if I'm wrong. But if I'm right, you know, this will go down as the biggest moment in, you know, CFL podcast history, maybe. <laughs> so what do I have to lose? Well, certainly go down better than when we did a celebration podcast for a CBA that is still back into negotiation. Uh, Adam, what do you think? No crossover? Do you think there's potentially, you know, a, a West crossover or an East? I think there'll probably be uh, no crossover this year just because I think, like you guys have been just saying exactly my thoughts, uh, you know what? The West is maybe a little bit uh, down from what it used to be. Uh there's a few teams that just aren't as strong as they used to be. I don't think Calgary's quite what they were. Uh, although Sean Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson are still there to terrify whoever they can find, as well as Bo Levi. But you know what? I uh, I just don't have a feeling that uh, that Ottawa is going to pass a team like Edmonton. Uh, let's face it; that's still a Chris Jones run, Jones run uh, uh, defense, and they're they're usually pretty good. Like I said, I I don't see the crossover this year. Just either way, I don't see it uh, a team coming over from the west or from the east. Really, myself. We'll get into uh, our uh, playoff predictions here in a second. But uh, an interesting question: most outstanding player nominee from the East Division this year. I have a hard time picking a front runner because. Oh, you look at a lot of you look at a team like well Toronto. Uh, you know who's really going to stand out as the number one guy uh, leading the charge there. I think Hamilton a lot of the same. You know, it seems you know quarterbacks maybe not fully proven uh, tends to go in that direction. Um, honestly, my pick for probably MOP out east would be William Standback. As much as I'm not as high on the Montreal Alouettes. This is a guy that can completely take over a game, does so frequently, and, and I think is one of the best running backs in the game right now and uh, should easily, I think, get a 1,000-yard season. So he would be my pick. Uh, Trey, do you have a pick for uh, East nominee for most outstanding player? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with McLeod Bethel-Thompson. I think um, I'm looking because it, it doesn't always go to quarterbacks, but let's be honest, football, the quarterback is one of the most important players. So looking at the four quarterbacks in the East, we're not sure Mazzoli's in a new offense. Don't know there. We don't know who the starter really is in Montreal. Could be either one of them. And then going to Hamilton, again, it's Dane Evans, who we said he has big numbers, but, you know, again, can't prove it. So I'm going to go with him being the top quarterback in the East. To, you know, as long as, like we said, he gets rid of those interceptions with Andrew Harris there. Then he still, you know, has a lot of production. Like I said, second most passing yards last year in the East. So that's uh, that's my pick is Adam. Yeah, I think my pick here probably would be uh, uh, Vernon Adams Jr. I really think that he's going to have a blowback, uh, uh, come back with a vengeance this season just because of how last year ended. 
he wants to prove that he's the number one guy. He's got pressure behind him to push him all the way that way. And you know what? He's he's a real fighter and competitor. I, I look at the guy and say he's had decent numbers. He wants to finally prove that, hey, a Canadian should be a great quarterback in this league. And he's out to prove it, I think. And you know what? I think this is the year that Vernon Adams is kind of coming out party. I'll go with him for my uh, CFL MOB for the East. I would love to see Vernon Adams Jr. have a strong season this year. He's always been a guy I've been rooting for. You know, he bounced around backup roles so often. Seemed like every time he was maybe going to get in as a starter, nope, somebody else comes along the way. Uh, and then he had a great season. And then last year, yeah, a bit of a step back there. But uh, I want to see a strong season from him. And I would love to see him be in that conversation for MOP. I have a quick question. Is He's Canadian? Is that what Adam said? I don't believe he's Canadian, no. No, he's an American quarterback, Adam. He's uh, his status is American, born in California. Yeah. Well, I'm completely foolish. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought for some reason he was a Canadian. I just I do not know why. Sorry about that. Is that guy. because he spent too much time on the depth chart between behind Air Canada, Brandon Bridge himself? You thought it rubbed off on him there. That's that's got to be the reason, right? It could be that, or uh, maybe it was because of the trade that time, because I think he was traded for a high draft pick, if I was mistaken. Yeah, can't remember for sure, but yes, uh, Vernon Adams Jr., American quarterback, but uh, still still one of my favorite quarterbacks in the game. Uh, let's get into the playoff predictions here, guys. Uh, how do we think the East Division is going to play out? Who do you have playing in that uh, the East Division semifinal? Who do you have moving on to? Face your first place team in the finals. And who do you have going on in the Great Cup? Uh, Adam, let's start with you. Well, I've got to stick with what I've said before. So I'm going to go with uh, the Toronto Argonauts hosted Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, in the East semifinal. And with that, I'll say that the Toronto Argonauts are actually going to move on this year to the East final in Montreal. Unfortunately, they can't do it at Olympic Stadium because that place is about to fall apart. But nevertheless, they're still going to go and they're going to have a, uh, uh, what do you call, a good game there over at uh, uh, Percival Stadium. And I believe that the Montreal Alouettes will be moving on to Saskatchewan uh, to Regina for Great Cup Sunday. Trey, you're up next. What do you think? All right. I'll go with uh, semifinals. The Alouettes will roll into Ivor, not Ivor, Tim Hortons Field, sorry. And uh, I'm going to take the Tie Cats, Oski Wee Wee, one more week, and they'll go back to the six. This time, no fans are going to be fighting because the Toronto Argonauts are going to move on to the uh, Great Cup in Saskatchewan. All right. For myself, I've got uh, Toronto winning the East Division. I've got Montreal-Hamilton rematch in round one, and uh, I'll take the Alouettes to take this one. Uh, here in the playoff game there as well uh, and have Montreal-Toronto in the East Division final. Oh, one of you went Toronto, one of you went Montreal moving on. Uh, I'll pick the Argos uh, to go uh, to the Grey Cup out East as well. I think they're a very deep team at uh, at a lot of positions. Uh, don't see a lot of holes there. And uh, huge veteran presence that's going to be very helpful, I think, come playoff time there as well. So, uh, we'll wait to see next week, I guess, who who we all have facing them in the 
Grey Cup in Saskatchewan. Uh, before we do our final wrap-up here, anything else on uh, East Division uh, you guys want to talk about? No, I think, I think it's pretty good. I think we got it covered, and I think we're pretty much in a fair – well, no, we got a little differences, but it seems like a lot of these teams are a lot better, and that's, that's what you want to see. It's kind of getting tiring of the West being – a little bit better than the East. And I hope that that helps a couple issues in some of the fan bases, right? And we get more crowds. Uh, Cause you mentioned soccer earlier that they, you know, Toronto shares it. Unfortunately, they sell out a lot more games than Toronto does. So that's probably contributes to why the Argos get the short end of the stick sometimes, but I think it's going to be a good East. Adam, what about you? I think you're right. I think the East division has gained a little bit of a spot now and they're moving up as we go. I think the East Division is going to be fairly strong this year. And let's face it, no game is going to be uh, free space on the bingo card this year when you go out to uh, Montreal or Hamilton or Ottawa, even for that matter. I think each team is going to give you a pretty good run for your money. And uh, let's face it, it's just only good for the CFL going forward. Yeah, excited to see uh, the parity in that division and see what effect Ottawa seemingly being better has. You know, which teams do they take those wins from? A lot of divisional games, they're going to have to come from some one of those other three teams, right? And see how that all balances things out. Excited to see it play out this season. Hopefully, we get the season starting on time still. Hopefully, that darn CBA gets ratified here. And uh, we can get back on the field and seeing all of these teams take the field, seeing if our predictions are, are correct. Uh, as I mentioned, next week uh, we'll be uh, breaking down the uh, the West Division, taking a look at the five teams there. We'll, I'm sure if anything comes out, we'll have another CBA update to start the show off. Uh, but we're aiming, I believe, next Wednesday uh, as of right now for that. So, uh Stay tuned for that. Of course, you can catch our shows live on YouTube, uh, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you know, subscribe on YouTube. Chime in on the chat. Uh, we'll be live all season long there. Uh, so uh, come hang out to join the conversation. Uh, we always appreciate that. You can follow us on social media uh, on uh, on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod on Facebook. We're there as well. The Canadian Football Countdown. Check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, guys, where can people find you and everything you've got going on? Uh, starting with you, Adam. Yeah, so guys, you can find me over at Adam Stewart One. You'll get lots of farming videos, like you've probably seen a little bit here tonight. Uh, my apologies again for if there was a little bit of audio noise here. I tried to keep that down as much as I could for you guys. Uh, of course, I do love talking CFL. I love talking NHL. If you want to talk sports or you want to talk hockey or you want to talk farming, just come on over. I'll talk to you about almost anything. Trey, where can you guys find you? Yeah, on Twitter, you can find me at Trey MB Harness. Uh, kind of the horse racing guy on the team, it seems like. And uh, if you ever want to talk horse racing, season's picking up now in the summer. I'm always down to talk football, Jays, baseball, Raptors, whatever you guys want. We can talk Star Wars. Uh, oh, I'm so excited for that this week. <laughs> anyway, that's where you can catch me on Twitter. Ryan, back to you, man. Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Cooper Trooper 42, either, uh, you know, talking CFL, uh, talking hockey, Tampa Bay Lightning off to the next round in the playoffs. Made that one look easy against the Florida Panthers. Uh, now we're in a, you know, we're just sitting and waiting for uh, our next opponent there. 
Uh, big fan of reality TV. It's big the big week for that Survivor season forty two finale uh, Wednesday night. Uh, the, the Circle on Netflix. If anybody's watching that finale, uh, looking forward to that this week as well. And just hoping we get this darn CBA uh, sorted out and uh, we can keep talking actual football. It felt so good to talk actual football with you guys tonight. And, and this is only season preview stuff. I can't wait to get into actually talking about games out on the field next week west preview week after we'll have our uh, fantasy and uh betting preview for the season and then we'll get right into week one preview the day before the season starts assuming it starts here on time uh whatever podcast platform you're listening on we appreciate it if you do all the fun things such as like comment rate review subscribe share the show with your friends help us grow the show we always appreciate that and uh, on behalf of our panel here tonight, Adam Stewart, Trey Colbeck, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.